0: moment about Thessalonians. And one of the great lessons from the book of Thessalonians is the fact that Paul is writing to a church in a very similar context to what the church finds itself now. I'm not just talking about Pimpama Church. I'm not talking about the Uniting Church. I'm talking about all Christian churches. I'm talking about the reality that we live in a world that still many times rejects the gospel. Even though there are so many of these foundations of God's good work through Christians in modern society, we still see these very strong reactions to religion and to the Christian church today. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel personally vilified. Do you have that feeling? That people are... They have an issue with something that the church has done or the church has said. And it's hard to disconnect your identity as a Christian from that reality. Now, normally I would say to you, friends, be glad of heart because the reality is that they're rejecting Jesus when they're doing that, not you. And that we are martyrs in the faith in that sense because what is happening is that as the world is coming against christianity they're bucking against Christ. We just happen to be in the way. And that is definitely true. But here, I want for us to think about this slightly differently. I want for us to kind of realize that this is the way how we need to live as Christians and come to accept that this is part of the reality of the world in which we live. Because, I don't know if you've noticed, but... Jesus hasn't come back. The second coming hasn't already happened. And when he does, that's when we have that perfect world. That's when we have that perfect creation. That's what we celebrated last week. Was it last week? Yes, it was. (laughs) Last week with the kids leading us. We were reminded of that with those passages from Isaiah. But until that day comes, we continue to strive and work to make this world a better place in the name of Jesus Christ. And this is a big part of the work that we need to be aware of as we continue to grow and have an impact in our local area here at Pimpama. I don't have a lot of time this morning to talk to you, but I've got these Bible studies that I hope will help kind of broaden out what, uh, what we talk about this morning. And if you're interested, come and have a chat with me or one of our leaders, and we can talk more about what, the impact that, what that impact could look like. But the figure I want for us to walk away with is this. Anybody here ever do woodworking? Yeah? Woodworking. Wood, is it a soft material? Is it, is it easy to, like, can, can you just kind of just, just squeeze it really hard with your hand and mold it into... Is that, is that the way how it works? No. What, what do you need to do? What are some of the tools you need in woodworking, people? Chisels. Chisels. You, you need to hack into it. What about if you want to cut it? A saw. Right? You need to actually get something with teeth and friction. And and then you get tennis elbow. And it's <laughs> Am I right? Wood is hard. It's a hard material to work with. Yet, look what can be built with it. Just look around you. This church has been standing here for over a hundred years. This wood is older than many of our generations. It's hard because it's durable, because it lasts. If you are a woodworker, you accept that it's going to be hard and that you're going to need to work it. Am I right? If you're a Christian, you need to accept that it's hard and that you're going to get rejected and that we live in a world that needs hard work. And that is part of what we need to come to understand as we look at discerning this mission that God is bringing us forward. When I was at missionary training college, we were engaging with how we were going to be training local people about mission in their areas. Because globally, missionaries learned something. And that was that sending people, foreigners, into a village or a tribe or a country town in a context which they didn't understand or speak the language, was not working. But instead to go there, share the love of Christ, and equip and empower people locally to be able to do that work would be so much richer, so much more profound, and so much more long-lasting. But it would be, what kind of work? (laughs) Hard. And it was worth it and worthwhile. And this is something that we need to understand and comprehend a Papua New Guinean mission leader, shared this analogy with us. He said that when his father taught him how to carve out a canoe out of hardwood, he didn't tell him about it, hand him the plane and chisel and then walk away. He worked it with him. He held his hand, literally, He plowed into the hardwood, lending his strength so this young boy could actually get in there and do the hard work. Ladies and gentlemen, do you hear what I'm saying? We need to work together. We need to lend our strength for the mission work that Christ has in store. We need not only our strength, but the strength of Christ to go with us. The child that worked that canoe would eventually go on to imitate the same motions and gestures that they were taught as they would produce their own canoe in the future. And this is where Paul says to us, be imitators. Be imitators of me as I am an imitator of Christ. And this, dear friends, is what I want us to focus on today. For the next 10 or so minutes. I invite you to bow your heads with me as we pray. Father I thank you. That you invite us to be your children. To learn as children. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is for those who are as children. So Father may we have childlike hearts to hear you. To be led by you. And to engage with you this morning we pray in Jesus name. Amen. The word that Paul uses here is. Mimitis. Mimitis. Can you say that with me? Mimitis. It's a fun word, isn't it? It sits nicely in the... It was, um, it was uh, C.S. Lewis who coined the term... Uh, what is it? It's... Uh, ufologia. Ufologia. is words that sit nicely on the tongue and they, they, they feel nice to say. Your mouth actually derives a pre- pleasure from it. C.S. Lewis coined that term and he used it a lot in his fiction writing and mimitis is one of those words say it again mimitis can you feel it your, your mouth is like ooh that's floral floral that's another word that's another. anyway <laughs> I have a whole list of them um, but that's where we get the word imitator or mime for those of you listening online I was just in a box it was, it was very convincing wasn't it um uh, and this word mime well well, let's talk about mimes for a minute so what a mime does is a mime pretends they they, they do the action without actually doing the action and I hate to say this but I think that's what the Christian church has been doing for so long I'm sorry I, I don't mean to offend anyone but in so many respects We see that the Christian church wants to be relevant, wants to be authentic, wants to connect with the love of God, wants to go out and do all of these amazing things. But it's just miming. I'm not actually in a box. I'm pretending. I'm pretending to do this. So friends, I want to begin by saying that that is not what Paul is asking for. Paul is actually asking for authentic imitation authentic carrying through. In 1 Corinthians 10, verses 33 to 11, 1, and I'll make a comment about that selection in a minute. He says, I don't just do what is best for me, I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. And you should imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, this verse You know, God has a sense of humor. God's got a sense of humor, friends. Because the... You know, your Bibles originally didn't have all the numbers and chapters everywhere. They were usually letters. Personal letters. Written, dictated. And they flowed on without breaks and anything like that. No. We put those in afterwards because we thought, this is the logical way to break up God's Word. We're going to put it into bite-sized pieces because people are stupid and, uh, and they need to have it like that. I'm sorry, I don't think people are actually stupid. I think that people just needed to try and have these little segments. But there is this notion and this idea that I'm only going to read up to the end of the chapter. Well, if you do that, you realize you've you missed the point of what Paul's actually making in the section. You see... says, I don't just do what is best for me, I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. That's a nice spot to, you know, we're just going to rule a line there and say, that's it, you know, that's done. But he doesn't say that out of context. He wants us to hear and then imitate that. So the first verse of the next chapter shouldn't be separated, but actually should be part of it. And if you study the original language, you'd see there's no full stop. There is no separate sentence that goes there. He rolls on and he does it intentionally. Why? Because he wants us to know that if we imitate Christ, everything we do, we do so that many may be saved. Like I said before, God's got a sense of humor. I looked for this word, mimitis. Say it again, mimitis. mimitis. Oh, good, you're awake. And, uh, <laughs> and I really, I really struggled to find, you know, lots of references to this word. I was trying to find it. And I found this one and I'm, I thought to myself, oh, isn't it great? Two occurrences in the book of Corinthians. Wow, that, no, it's not, it's one. <laughs> it's one. It's one occurrence. Repeated, but it's just one. Sometimes that's significant. My favorite word in Scripture means He did it once and for all time. It occurs three times in the Greek New Testament. And it is always in reference to Christ giving His life for sinners. Sometimes when we see these words happening a few times, it's not because they're insignificant. It's because there's significance in the uniqueness. And what we're talking about here is so important. Because imitating Christ is a liberating thing. See, I'm not telling you to go out there and study Greek and Hebrew and all become preachers. (laughs) No, I'm saying that through what Christ has done in your life, you can begin to share that love and demonstrate that love and live that love. Because you know what? That is how Christ began His ministry. By loving the unlovely. By going out and being among those who were rejected in wider society. So in Thessalonians 2, uh, 1 Thessalonians verse 2, We have this passage, and I've broken it up for for our own easy consumption. But with the help of our God, we dare to tell you His gospel in the face of strong opposition. We speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. There is risk in preaching the gospel. Did you know that? And to do so is daring. You, my dear friends, are daring people. You are courageous people. And my prayer and hope is that this message today is an encouragement for you. If you come away from here and you think to yourself, I didn't hear anything new today. Great. Wonderful. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Because if you already know this, then you are already doing it. Then you are already being imitators of Christ. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Because to be one who goes out there and lives the gospel is a daring thing. It's a scary thing. It's sometimes a lonely thing. But we don't do it to please others. We don't do it because it gives us a lovely, warm, tingly feeling in our hearts. We do it because it is God who calls us. And it is God, ultimately, who tests the motives of our hearts. Friends, the Apostle goes on to remind the Thessalonians that he came to them and they cared for him as if they were their children. He and Silas but also that He was like a parent to them in instructing them and teaching them in God's Word. In the book of Ephesians, He builds on this. Follow God's example, He says, as dearly beloved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Have you ever had that situation? You're walking with a little one and they're reaching their hand out for you and they're coming just shy. What do you do? Do you just pull your hand back? No, you, you meet them, don't you? You go the rest of the way. You see, friends, when we, when we reach out to God, He reaches back. And we need to remember that. We need to be prepared to reach out in that faith, in that love, and walk in the ways of the Lord. So I pray this is a word of consolation for you this day and that God will continue to reveal himself to the opening of his word for your life. Let's conclude our time in prayer. Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is here, that you love us, that you want to speak to us, Lord, I invite you to continue to engage with us even as we go from this place this morning. May we know your love, may we experience your love, and may we be prepared to share it further afield. Bless us this morning, we pray, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.